With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Right, fam, we have a new partner that you can support. Zoom Care. The one great thing that we can all take away from a pandemic is the ability to do more things from the comfort of our own homes. Nobody likes sitting in a doctor's office or even going to the doctor for that matter, but we all need to take care of ourselves. So, what is Zoom Care? Zoom Care is like a trip to the doctor just from your couch. You can see here and chat with your doctor just like a traditional office visit. Get secure access to urgent primary and specialist care, including mental health. ZoomCare is covered by most private insurers, usually with a copay. Visit ZoomCare.com to get started. That's Z-O-O-M-C-A-R-E.com. There's nothing better than getting a diagnosis from your doc while sitting in your own living room. To help this partner out, they want to see more video visits from Colorado. So check them out today and see just how easy it is at ZoomCare.com for all of the details that you need. Booyah. Uh, all he wants to do is zoom, 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 care. And that's our Henry Chisholm. I'm Andre Simone, Justin Michael, Jake Schwanitz. That's how we're starting the show today. Presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Need a little injection of life after the big week we had last week. Lots to talk about. Lots to get into. Um I'm looking forward to this, fellas. So we're going to start right off, and we're playing the hits. Right off the bat, it was Senior Bowl week. Uh, subscribe to thedmbr.com. Lots of fun stuff lately. Um, our guy, Andrew Mason, who was down there in Alabama uh, watching all the practices, wrote some great reports and had some exclusive footage and clips that he's taking himself there from the ground after all three days of practice. Those are must reads. Jake at the beginning of the week had a really nice piece published, kind of introducing everyone, all the top nine candidates in the Go first round. Out. Go check that out. Him and I um, collaborated on some of the clips there for the prospects as well. I like that. We're trying to give you as many visual examples as we can, as we introduce you and give you more insights on this draft class, which we're really just starting to break down. It was a great week, guys. Um, I am grateful we got to see as much of those practices from home. Obviously, a different year. Sucked being from home, but I'm grateful we could still cover it and still break down what all went down. Uh, I took a ton of notes. Our chat was lit off the bat. And we're going to, as I said, we're playing the hits. So we're going to start from the offensive side. Um, who stood out to you guys? And maybe we might as well just jump in to the headliner because for, I mean, after day two of practice, Mac Jones really took over in Mobile. Yeah, Mac Jones looked nice. Amari Rogers is my big standout. He was incredible in 1v1s. But mm -hmm. um, seems like the guys that we all kind of talked about last week and previewed really showed up. Um, I think Devonte Smith was just kind of there, you know, just a senior send off. Mostly he wasn't really doing too much, but everyone else um, that we mentioned looked great. Max, a first round pick, I think after this, you know, I think there were a lot of people that kind of had him on the borderline. Yeah, I get it. But yeah. after the season he had, after the performances he had in the championship game and the title game with what we saw out of those practices, I mean, he made some really nice touch throws over good coverage and, you know, I think there were some questions about, you know, can he do this without the, you know, truly elite Bama wide receivers? Obviously, it's the senior bowl, so all the mm -hmm. talent is great. But point being, you can kind of put him into anything. And I think he has the skills to succeed. 
I'm really intrigued to see, you know, how high he goes after this. Yeah. I was really impressed. He was head and shoulders better than any other quarterback out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it was not close in any way. And again, this is the big takeaway from the senior bowl is that when, when you look at Mac Jones, he, he isn't uh, close to Jamie Newman or, or Kellen Mond or Ian book or Sam Ellinger or any of those guys. And, and those are guys who, you know, a couple of them are going to be drafted in the third round. Maybe one sneaks up into the second round. I think that's possible. Again, Mac Jones, totally different stratosphere, totally different caliber of football player. When you when you watch Kelmon go out there and throw a pick into double coverage, then Jamie Newman just spike two balls, and then Mac Jones comes in and just threads the needle and goes like eight of nine on his way down the field, and like just everything is so sharp on everything he does. The the in the red zone, just how quickly he gets the ball out. I I came away from this so much higher on Mac Jones than I ever wanted to be again. Like, I'm not sure if I've said that here, but like, I do not want to be a, a Mac Jones guy, yeah. but hop on the bandwagon guys. He, I'm telling you, it's so comfy. Good. We got luxury seating. We've got hors d'oeuvres <laughs> drinks. The Mac Jones hype train is where you want to be. Look guys, he's, he's low risk compared to some of these other guys. Like at the end of the day, you know, he's probably not going to go top 10. So, I mean, he could. He could jump Panthers up. I mean, at eight. we'll see. Panthers at eight. But, the way him and Matt Rule were hanging yeah, out, laughing, that's true. That's playing true. with the ball, throwing it in the garbage can. They they look like mean, there was even something at eight, going on there. That's, that's not as much risk as, you know, trying to take a flyer on one of these guys at two or three or something like that. You know, at the, I would feel comfortable with the risk given what we've seen out of Mac Jones to this point. Oh, man. Um, and it's weird because I'm, what Henry said, I think, is spot on. You've been telling us all year, Justin. Uh, there's a refinement to his game that's an outlier for most quarterbacks coming out of college. Similar Especially, to Sertan, the way we talk about him. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it, we've talked about this. The, the Bama boys are particularly technically sound this year. I mean, Sertan, Devontae, uh, Devontae Smith, obviously. Uh, you have some real technicians, some guys who are operating at already a doctorate level of football and despite you know uh, limited starts that's one of his questions mac jones comes out and just shows a refinement that is superior to others a consistency that uh stands out above his peers as you said justin really kind of quells a lot of those questions about how much of his success was a product of his environment well in a completely different environment he was head and shoulders above the rest um against tougher competition and it's really you know it all came down to that second day where he starts it off with really an immaculate drive um what was that seven on sevens um in between that he has some highlights in the red zone um including you know matt rule razzing him a bit and saying hey you're gonna throw another slant and him throwing just a perfect fade where only he could put it then 11 on 11 period starts boom very first play fearless nails it in the seam and super tight window throw where only his guy can go and make it of course the georgia tight end mckinney makes a phenomenal one-handed catch as well um but it just showed a, a certain confidence and accuracy in tight windows really confirming everything else now he wasn't a big winner on day one he just looked you know polished sharp but nothing too spectacular Day three, uh, in day two, he kind of, someone steps on his toe, so he's a little gingerly. Day three, he's looking almost, and we'll see this at the Senior Bowl, especially um, with quarterbacks, almost felt like he was protecting his lead a little bit. Like he made those flash plays on day two. Day three, he's kind of protecting his lead. And his foot starts to bother him more and more, especially after he takes off and runs. And he calls it a day. We don't get to see him in the game. Um, I think he's oh, a lot to go. Though. I mean, he had nothing to gain Absolutely. at that point. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I he would have thrown for 300 yards, like in, in the half that he got to play. I, again, just was so impressed. Yeah. Yep. I mean, we t- I don't want to put too much stock into MVPs of an all-star game, but we've kind of seen the last two years how Herbert and Daniel Jones took yep. that MVP award and turned it into – improving their draft stock tremendously. And I definitely think that was on the table for Mac Jones. If he wanted to play 
Um, I mean, he said he would have played if it was an actual game, so it's completely understood that he sat out. Uh, the, one of the most impressive things to me, though, was just how easily he stepped in and the chemistry he already seemed to have with those receivers and just the entire team yeah. around him. It was seamless for him. Mm-hmm. The thing that stood out to me most was how well he handled pressure. Cause that's our biggest concern, right? We can talk about upside. We can talk about arm strength, that kind of stuff, but really what we'll all point to is lack of mobility and how it stands out among other quarterbacks who've been drafted in recent years. Well, he maybe isn't going to run a four, five or a four, six, but he maneuvers seamlessly in the pocket. Um, he feels pressure really well. He's always keeping everything in front of him. Look, it is not, an apples to apples comparison you need to be creative but so much of what mac jones has done in the last year reminds me of what baker mayfield did in his final year look baker mayfield had lincoln riley call in place for him he had the best deep ball weapon in the country he had one of the best o-lines in the country he had uh mark andrews the best receiving tight end in the country like He had a ton of weapons. He was on a loaded team he's going up against big 12 defenses that everyone could have knocked um And yes, better escapability, better like pure runner, but that's because Baker's also shorter and needs that to function in the NFL. So in in similar weeks in Mobile, um, where they showed, you know, certain polish and comfortability and even kind of, uh, you know, people grab his teammates gravitate to him, just the coaches gravitate to him. Mac Jones has some Baker stuff, even though, um, Again, you know, you got to kind of squint to see it. Um, And the tight window stuff, like Baker, the arm strength to me shows up most when you put on the tape and you watch him in the red zone. And we saw some of that in Mobile as well. It's not like he's a statue, you know? I mean, like, yeah, he's he's not going to run and burn you for a 35-yard scramble or something like that. But he has, he steps up well in the pocket. He's a guy who can run if he absolutely has to, you know, for a couple of yards, scamper it out. Kind of like, you know, Tom Brady, I don't know, the guy that, continues to go to the Super Bowl over and over and over and over. When you see the field better than everyone else, that's an advantage. And that's what Mac Jones does. He's smarter than everybody else. He has the accuracy. We saw the strength. This is a guy that can compete in the NFL. I just hope he ends up in the right situation. Like I'm going to be so bummed if he ends up with Detroit or, you know, just some, just some shit show situation. I'd love to see him end up in Carolina with Matt rule. I'm not sure I love those top 10 expectations, but I love the creativity. I love, you know, him and Christian McCaffrey. We focus so much on, on drew lock and and not being able to, you know, make the dump down, not being able to make just the easy throws. Mm -hmm. Mac Jones will do that all day. He'll dump it to C-Mac all day long. Nope. And that, it it reminds me, and I think I've said this before of kind of like the whole Nikola Jokic debate where early on everybody's saying like, oh, sure, he is is good at passing the ball and he sees lanes, but but Carl Anthony Towns, he could figure out how to do that kind of stuff. That That's something that's coachable. They're Joel Embiid, he can learn to do that stuff, plus all of them can jump and they can run. And it's like, that's not how that works. Like, y- you can look at Mac Jones, and I like that you brought up the way he sees the field. He sees literally everything that is going on on the football field. And it's so easy to say, well... Justin Fields is fast. So if we teach him to see the whole field, then we're going to be just fine. And that's true if you can do it. But the odds of you teaching somebody to see the field that well, to, to get the ball out on, at, on the right time, uh, to throw with anticipation, to do all the different things, like have control of the offense, teaching them to do all that is not that easy. And most of the time you just don't do it and you wind up with a bad quarterback when you could have had somebody who turned out to be a good quarterback because he's just a good quarterback and we know he is. So let me guys, let me ask you this right now. Denver takes Mac Jones. What is your gut feeling? How are you? Are you excited? Are you, yeah. Are you feeling skeptical or do you feel pretty good? Is it at nine? It's at nine. No moves. They take him at nine. I honestly would kind of like to see what they do with Drew Locke from there before I can accurately uh, assess the situation, you know. Like if they moved him for a pick? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and especially what can you recoup, you know? Um, yeah. Are you getting a second back? and you know, I, I Even Steven for what you gave up? Or? I personally wouldn't be trying to trade him if I, I got Mac. 
I would, I, I mean, you just need to have two quarterbacks. I'm not going into a season with a rookie and with Brett Rippon, and I'm not going out and signing a veteran. Like it's the Broncos haven't had a quarterback in too long to be giving away young quarterbacks. Like you, you just have to hold on. I, I know that people say like, Oh, the locker room is going to fall apart because some guys are going to like drew. If Mac has a couple of bad games, I don't, I don't think that's a thing. And, and if Mac is having bad games and they're losing games, the season's lost anyway. So, so what does it matter? Yeah, I think I've been as vocal as anyone on this show against Drew Locke, but if they take any quarterback in the draft, I think they should definitely consider holding on to Drew Locke because what Hank said, I mean, it only do you better to just have him on the team and further develop. I mean, if you can get the compensation for the pick uh, for Drew Locke, then sure, go ahead and trade him. But I still think, you know, you're going to have to upgrade the backup quarterback position at some point. So why not have Locke kind of sit there if you do take Jones? Um, yeah, I mean, also the only way I'd really give up Drew Locke is if he's included in that Deshaun Watson trade. That'd be the only way I think I'm completely comfortable letting him go. Well, so I assume the other top four quarterbacks are gone if the Broncos are taking them at nine. Probably. And at I least guess... at least the top three. As in yeah. Fields or Lance? Fields. Okay. Yeah. Because that's what I was thinking is that that, that would be my one. order still. Is Actually, I might have had Lance in front of Mac before. Mac is in front of Lance to me at this point. So with a, so. with a ton of yeah. qualifiers, assuming the top four quarterbacks and Penny Sewell are all gone by the ninth pick. I could get behind a Mac Jones selection. Um, now, now, on a Broncos specific draft board, yeah, I could even argue that was maybe close to the best player available. It would be a C plus B minus type of selection, but I talk myself into it. I'd get pretty excited. I'd tell the whole city to go back to that Ole Miss tape where Lane Kiffin, who knows that offense well, did a really good job of uh, forcing Mack into some tight window throws, and he did it time and time again. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, you could do a lot worse, but, uh, I mean, Hank compared him to Tom Brady and Nikola Jokic, so... It, there are guys who without the raw tools can become superstars. You know, you can name them on one hand probably. Um, but I'm not, I, I think we're discrediting his raw tools too much at this point. Like, I, yes, he doesn't have that Trey Lance arm. That's but it's, a good point. He's not a noodle arm, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. And you that's look at like point. the best quarterbacks of that gener of the last generation. And it's like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. If you want to keep going, you could throw Ben Roethlisberger in there, Phil Rivers. Shit, I guess Philip Rivers had a pretty good career. I mean, he yeah. didn't win a whole lot, but dude like, put up numbers. And and then if you want to start talking about the mobile quarterbacks who have done anything, like obviously there's Mahomes and you know Russell Wilson. Uh, Cam Newton got to a Super Bowl, he didn't win one. There, this is this is still a very new emerging trend. The mobile quarterback thing. It has not been worked out. It has not been proven to be what it takes to, to win in the NFL. It does seem like that's the way things are going, but you still can't be discounting guys who can throw the football and run an offense the way Mac Jones can. Real quick, uh, to go back to Justin's question about Mac Jones and just having him on the team if Drew Locke is there, he the one thing he does well is what Drew Locke didn't really do well, and that's hit the deep ball. So yep. that's something you can really get excited about if he does come to Denver. Got these fast receivers – Cortland Sutton coming back. I mean, no, I mean, I'd that'd, be be my, that'd be my selling point on a film room is, Hey, now you've got someone who's a uh, surgical on deep balls last year, surgical, absolutely deadly. And you know, you give me that one-on-one -on -one outside, I'm going to punish you time and time again. So you get a guy like that at quarterback. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. And that is an upgrade over Duloc. So that's, Oh man, then there's a lot Mac to Jones. unpack. There's a lot to unpack and will be um for the for the rest of this draft season. Hank, we went a little long there. I think we should take a break, get into some more offensive standouts from the week, more quarterbacks who uh much more of a mixed bag than Mac Jones, who himself, you know, outside of day two where he really shined, was had his moments there as well. Um, and we'll get into defense and your questions here soon so hankster 
kick us off. What you got? I've got the 55th big game is this weekend. 55, a game this big deserves a big prize and not just some trophy. To finish off the football season, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all players a no-brainer of an offer. To celebrate football's finale, DraftKings Sportsbook is doubling your money if a touchdown is scored in the big game. That's right. All it takes is for one touchdown to be scored Sunday night, and boom, your money is doubled. Sounds like a no-brainer. As if this game wasn't enough reason to party, with the opportunity to double your cash, you'll be celebrating till next season. Don't forget about DraftKings Big Game Prediction Challenge with up to $55 million in total prizes up for grabs and instant prizes for everyone who enters the contest. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its players since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DMVR to get a shot at doubling your money if a touchdown is scored in Sunday's game. That's promo code DMVR to get a shot at doubling your money during Sunday night's season finale only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash prediction dash challenge dash DFS for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Yes, get in on DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, tons of great stuff, including Deshaun Watson props. Uh, with the Broncos at plus 800, tied with the Bears. That's like the eighth most likely landing spot for the current Houston Texans quarterback. All right, fellas. Um, other offensive standouts for you. It was. It is the year of the wide receiver, and especially early on in the week, it was all about those wide outs. Um, you know, you already mentioned Damari Rogers, who has the bloodlines, as we learned this week. T. Martin, uh, OC at what USC and Tennessee the last few years, um, and you know, former college stud himself um, is his father. Eskridge uh, had an amazing week. Who else stood out for you guys? Um, I mean, dude, so many receivers, uh, Nico Crazy. Collins from Michigan, who I talked about last week. He looked really nice. Josh Palmer from Tennessee, uh, mine and Henry's guy, shy Smith from South Carolina looked awesome. Dude, probably the good. biggest winner of the wide yeah. house. Well, him and Eskridge, I would, I would put Eskridge in front of him, but those two were both incredible. Yeah. Um, little surprised about Surratt, um, out of wake forest. I didn't really feel like he popped as as much mm-hmm. as I was kind of expecting. I, I'm still pretty high on him just based on what I've seen on film, but he definitely didn't help his cause. I was interested in him and I was hoping he'd show up and kind of show more of, a, I guess, Michael Pittman skill set rather than the uh, JJ Arcego white side we saw from him over the last week. That's just a mm-hmm. tough one. Yeah. Um, I thought Frank Darby had some moments, but also showed some of the concerns with hand catching. Um I'll tell you this, Kadarius Tooney, easily the highest rank wide receiver there. Um, he gets you really excited, and we've talked about it all along. I think the comp is more Alvin Kamara than just some speedy wide receiver, but showed some concerns with his hands. Um, even got banged up at times, which was another mini concern for him. And I would argue that even though he confirmed his game-breaking ability as just a one-on-one matchup, just destroyer, I would argue he lost a little ground because we got to see him on a field with like 10 other playmaking scat back slash wide receiver slash kick return options. And while he looked insane and kind of bigger than all of them, I didn't feel watching that, that it's like, oh yeah, I need to use a first on Tooney because he's so much better than Amari Rogers or Eskridge or Marcus Stevenson or Cornell Powell or Josh Paul, you know, compared to shy Smith, all these other guys, it was like, yeah, I mean, he's, he's great, but do I need to spend a premium pick when there's just this wealth of talent? Um, Probably not. So that's I thought a he tough lost question a for bit. this whole class, though, right? Yep. Like, yep. I mean, there's other other than those, you know, top three yeah. or four guys. It's like five through twenty. I could see being like mid to first rounders to like early third rounders, and I'd probably be content if I landed any of them. But I yeah. could see myself 
you know, getting upset about little things here, little things there. It's such a, it's such a weird class and it's such a weird evaluation because we just, we didn't get the games and like, we're trying to go on the senior bowl and it's limited. And my, thank God Denver doesn't need receivers right now because Truly. even though there's, there's a wealth of it, I just think it would be frustrating to be like, who, who do we take? That's honestly a great point. Cause I feel the same exact way about the edge rushers. Where yeah. It's like, sure. You could take Ojulari or Greg Russo, but there's a list of like 10 guys with like insane upside at the position who I'd be fine with waiting for day two or day three on. Um, I also thought Trey McKitty, uh, the Georgia tight end who really didn't get much playing time or many targets look good. Kenny Yaboa out of Ole Miss also pretty impressive tight end. And then the O-line, um, you know, I yeah. guess a, a lot of confirmation bias. Creed Humphrey, though, looked head and shoulders above the rest in a lot of those drills. I really thought Hudson, the left tackle out of um, Cincinnati, had a good week, even though measurement-wise, the arms were just a tad too short, um, but still within range to be able to stick at tackle. Same could be said about Dylan Radunes. Um and, you know, Trey Smith played great at guard, but Leatherwood was a bit of a mixed bag. Biggest winner from the measurements, then the drills, you know, up and down. That's what I wanted to ask you guys is, do you worry about the measurements with a guy like Radunes, who, in my opinion, looked pretty good in what I saw out of the practices, mm-hmm. versus like a Leatherwood, who I was, you know, really high on coming in, he has all the experience. He's played against elite competition for multiple years. He kind of just looked like a middle of the pack dude. Like he, he really didn't stand out at all. I mean, it's all within frame, you know, um, that length gives you a greater margin of error, just like athleticism in a quarterback gives you a greater margin of error. Uh, that, that's all that is. So, Redunes will have to play at a higher standard and more consistently and more technically sound than Leatherwood will be able to get away with. Um, so yeah, it, it certainly needs to be put in the greater frame of things and looking at the whole picture with all these prospects. Um, Leatherwood, I thought, looked awesome in nine on sevens as a run blocker and stuff. But shoot, the one-on-ones, the pass pro stuff. Yeah, that's mostly what I'm talking about. Just like the pass pro stuff. Uh, he kind of got torched a couple of times in a way that you didn't really see in, in real live game film. So that was that was definitely concerning to me. Not this last year, right, Justin? He was pretty no, clean. he was solid. I've been reading like, oh, you put on the tape against Georgia. Ojulari gave him trouble. No way. Ojulari got his pressure when he was attacking the right tackle or attacking inside. Uh, Leatherwood didn't really get beat. And then I'll hear people reference the Clavon Chase on game two years ago. Yeah, well, okay. Um, now it should be said this year, Justin, we didn't, we never saw Leatherwood with his offense playing from behind. That's the concern. True. If you go to a team like Jacksonville, you'll have a lot of games where you're playing from behind. Everyone in the stadium knows you're going to pass it. And, you know, those obvious passing downs are where you really worry about these inconsistent guys um, in pass protection like Leatherwood. So, and they ran the hell out of the football this year, like with Najee. Yeah. They basically could go for six, seven yards a pop whenever they wanted. And that's, that's such an advantage as an offensive line when you have the D line playing back on their heels and you got to worry about the play action game and Matt going over the top. And I, I love Leatherwood based on everything I've seen. I'm, I'm one of those guys. I tend to lean more based on what I've seen in games than what I've seen oh, yeah. in the all-star type stuff. But it was concerning, you know, it, it concerning enough to bring up. For sure. And to those points, though, just looking at the 1v1s uh, with Leatherwood, it was just tough because guys were just getting around the corner so easily on I him. Know, and then Radden's just, he just looked like a better athlete out there at tackle. Yes. And that was yes. the thing that kind of stuck with me. I mean, I know the measurements aren't as ideal with him compared to Leatherwood, but still just looking at him play the position, he looked more natural in that setting on that day than Leatherwood did. Well, and if your questions about Radunes are the length, well, shoot, you're probably going to have to push them both inside. Let's be honest. They're probably both NFL guards. So as NFL guards, I'm less concerned about the length. I probably like the more um, technically sound guy, you know, um, Leatherwood really reminds me of Cam Robinson, the 
That's a good comparison. Alabama left tackle two two times prior. Um, So it's Leatherwood, Jonah Williams, then Cam Robinson. Yep, Jacksonville. He goes in the early second. Again, great length, just inconsistent. Uh, Probably Robinson had slightly higher natural tools, mobility and stuff. Um, And he's, he's been a mixed bag in the NFL. Let's get into these running backs real quick before we move on to the defensive side. Um, This happens every year, but a draft pod favorite, Demetric Felton, he was ours. He's now the world's he's graduated. He was dynamic. He kind of did what I think Kadarius Tooney should do as far as utility Starts off as a running back, almost ended the week as a pure wide receiver. Uh, he was dynamic. He looked really, really That's good. Henry's guy. He was unbelievable. I mean, he torched he's the bus. So, yeah, and he's it, really good. To me, him and Dwayne Eskridge were the two winners this week in terms of offense. Uh, I guess you got to throw Mac Jones in there, too. There are three mm-hmm. big winners on offense to me, and those are them. Um, both Eskridge and Demetric Felton, very similar players. It's actually kind of crazy to see just how similar um, either one of them, I think could be very similar to a Tyreek Hill. I, I think that that is honestly maybe the best comp um, just because of what we saw from them, the way that especially Eskridge runs his routes so cleanly. And as soon as he gets out of the break, he is going full speed. And there just aren't guys who can keep up with him. He, there's, I think there's a good chance that he'll wind up. Well, now, now I think of it, all the pro days are going to be weird. And there are going to be some people whose numbers just are better than they should be. But if this were a normal year, Eskridge could be the fastest receiver in this draft. And unlike some of those guys, like a John Ross or even like a Henry Ruggs, he is just so refined as a route runner and puts that speed to such good use. And Demetric Felton does so many of those same things. Um, he, he, he was he smooth, man. I didn't, I didn't realize he was such a crisp route runner. Mm-hmm. I mean, you watched a lot more Pac-12 than me. I, I keep up with it, but I, I, I saw him flash, you know, athletically in, in the games I watched. But I mean, he was running precision routes like an Alvin Kamara. You know, just I, I yeah. a linebacker on him. Good luck, dude. Good luck. You can't do it. You can't do it. And I'm not really sure what the comp is because he is an NFL receiver. I think he's an NFL running back at the very least. He's a third down running back in the NFL, how that all fits together. I'm not totally sure, but I do know that there's enough pieces that he can provide that, that, you know, you're going to get production out of him. And to me, I I think, you know, we talked about Kadarius Tony. Maybe he is more middle of the pack with a bunch of those guys. I, I'm still high on Tony. The one guy who oh, yeah. I think definitely moved in front of him is Dwayne Eskridge. And I'd say Demetric Felton did too. I think either one of those guys in the first round would what? be a good use of that pick. Oh my gosh, this is insane. Is that that crazy? Yeah, Felton a first rounder, Eskridge a first really? rounder. Yeah, that's insane. I think I, I think Eskridge, I think you have to take Eskridge ahead of Tony at this point. And I think no, Tony is still a fringe no. first rounder. I, I think Eskridge worked himself up near the top 50 for sure, but I do think Tony's going to still be taken ahead of him. Um, yeah. To go back to your question about a comp for Felton, though, it's not a great comp, but I kind of it kind of reminded me of Antonio Gibson last year, um, but in similar and different ways. Yeah. I mean, obviously yeah. they played wide receiver running back. Um, I think Felton was a better route runner and better peer receiver than Gibson was. Meanwhile, he's not as big and physical as Antonio Gibson was. So there's some trade-offs in both areas, but Mm -hmm. that's kind of what it reminded me of. Uh, To that point, though, I mean, just talking about Tony and all those kind of similar prototype, I guess, hybrid-ish guys. I mean, there's just so many of them. I mean, Rondale Moore is another guy that we've talked about that, I mean, just so many in this. Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore. I mean, top 50, top 75 range that – I mean, good luck trying to pencil in where they all go because it's just going to be all over the place. Yeah, I think Jared Patterson, the dynamic Buffalo running back, could be added to that group. It's crazy. Um, Eskridge is just real small, Hank. He's just like pure slot size at 5'8". There's also concerns with his age. He's kind of an older prospect. I think he's 23, 24 already. Um, So... that fact, that I love matter? that that's old <laughs> in the sports Who cares world. about that? <laughs> My goodness. Well, I mean, 
as far as projection goes, if he's no, dominating you. kids, you know, two years older, that does matter. Huh. And he's doing it against Mac competition. It's not like Tony, who like Alabama had no way of guarding. Him. I'm, yeah, I mean, he was he was unguardable against the best players in the country. This oh, week. I know. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, against some uh, in one on ones where he's going to, you know, benefit a lot because for sure. He's tough to guard. And, and he um, only he only had the one day of practices. I but do that think, one day he caught everything. Well, that's and was that's wide true. Open also. all day. Yeah, he did. He kind of shut it down early. Felton, you know, late first seems really high, but I do think this is a guy who came in similar to a Terry McLaurin came in to Mobile with like day three expectations as kind of a nice gadget player, and now teams will prioritize him in day two. Um, like, didn't you, you, you sent us a mock where you got him in like round three and none of us bat an eye. Yeah. Um, I, I do think though, I, I mean, if, if you're the chief now. sitting there Could be. at the end of the first, and I know they just took a running back, but, but I think they've got to consider going after a guy like Felton. And I think there are a lot of teams in that boat, especially at the end of the first round. Because those are the good teams, you know. You, well, we just that, talked about the how there are a lot of guys like that this year. Yeah, but I, I, to me, Eskridge and Felton are ahead of the Rondale Moores and those guys. Jeez, you're I, all in. You're all in. I'm all in. I saw, I saw what I saw, and I'm willing to. Buy I'm in. It. I'm with Hank. I'm in on this yeah. guy. I think he's fun. No, yeah, I like defense though. I like Felton for sure, and Michael Carter. I thought stood out a lot. Yep. Um, Lots of people like Larry Roundtree out of Missouri and Ramondre Stevenson, big boy out of Oklahoma. He's kind of fun. But, yeah, let's get into the defense. Um, I thought the – just real quick, I thought the running backs in general disappointed. I wasn't impressed. Michael Carter had like a decent day, but outside of that, I I was really, really disappointed by pretty much everybody. Senior like there aren't a lot of drills for running backs to really shine in the senior bowl scenario. You know what I mean? Like yeah. pass catching, obviously, but nobody's yeah, like gonna, going full blown because nobody wants to get hurt. And we're mm-hmm. not going to bring out Oklahoma's in the middle of the <laughs> the Senior Bowl or something. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. At the That'd same great time, though, content like, though. Oh, one of the awesome. teams had like twenty five total rushing yards, and the other had like the couple big plays from Michael Carter and a bunch of guys who had one point three yards per carry in the game. Yeah, I mean the D lines kind of dominated. Um, and again, that's pretty typical. Ooh, so many standouts from a Broncos perspective, though, while I could talk, I could do an entire episode on just defensive linemen. Um, to me, from a Broncos perspective, the biggest standout of the entire week was Aaron Robinson, the cornerback out of UCF, who uh, plenty of talk of him even being able to play safety. This is a Fanjo guy. If I ever saw one, we talked about last week in our preview how uh, Daniel Jeremiah had him in the late first. And this is a guy who stood out on tape because he's got the size to play outside corner, but he was lining up inside against speedy guys like Marquez Stevenson, the Houston wide receiver flashed a mobile as well. Um, we saw him in nine on seven drills at the senior bowl, do a really good job tackling out on the perimeter. He's physical. He played really well on one-on-ones. What was that one-on-one that really stood out to you on that first day, Jake? It was the one against Tony. Tony ran a deep oh. post on him, and um, yeah. just the way that Robinson kind of moved off the line, and then he was beat in the route, but he recovered really nicely and made a play on the ball. And ended up being incomplete. He. I was has... kind of surprised by Richie Grant too out of UCF. Yeah. Well, I mean, star of the third day, Justin. Star. Yeah. Yeah, like we've said all along, we don't love the safeties in this. There's not really anybody that jumps out, and oh. he's. I mean, I still don't know if he'll be a first round pick, but he's in that know, mix. He's in that mix at least, you know. And it's just kind of interesting. I talk, I throw a lot of shade on UCF because that's just a program that annoys me for some reason. Like when they claim to be the national champion, it it just bothered me because Alabama won that year, and I was just like, shut up, stay in your place. But. It's fun to see, you know, a G5 school like UCF have a guy really shine in this scenario. It's good for college football. And I mean, he was dominant in one-on-ones, a guy that Mm -hmm. I think you could put all over the field. Another Fangio guy because so incredibly versatile. As far as range goes, you'll be hard to find a more rangy safety in this 
draft class, Richie Grant made him a ton of money. I think both Grant's in the conversation for safety one. I think Robinson's in the say in the conversation for cornerback three. Um, Jace Horn, even Tyson Campbell, some of these guys might have just higher raw tools. Aaron Robinson, though, checks off more boxes, I think is more polished. I like the competitive edge. Ooh, he had a big week. Um, another guy who I love for Denver's purposes specifically is Carlos Basham, the Wake Forest edge rusher, comes in at 280 pounds, gets a ton of reps as a three technique, as a five technique, rushing against the guards, playing more inside. And obviously, a guy who played naturally on the edge in college was just murdering those guards one-on-one. He was spectacular to watch all week. I would love him in Denver. His stock rose significantly, showing that kind of versatility and uh, you know dominance, the kind of mismatch threat he can be as an interior rusher. Uh, but there are so many guys to talk about. Mm-hmm. Lay it on me. Who else stood stood out to you guys? We got to talk about our guy, Quincy Roche, man. Definitely. Big time. I mean, we talked about him starting the year off as someone, I don't know, kind of on the fringe on the radar. And, yep. you know, every week we'd still mention his name. And now, mm-hmm. okay, now he's getting the Senior Bowl. And you saw the graphic at the Senior Bowl, McShay's 14th ranked edge, rush, edge rusher, and in, there's just no way. Nope. There's absolutely no way. That's absurd. Yeah, he might be a first-round pick. Uh, again, nope. he's he's right nope. there at the end of the first. Really, I think there's four defensive linemen who really stood out, and Roche's one of them, the speed around the edge, the, the ability to set the edge in the run game. like That was Agile. a very good week for Quincy Roche. Um, very Dre talked about Carlos Basham. That's another one who you were right. Skyrocketing up draft boards also in the conversation for defense first defensive lineman, probably the favorite at this point in my mind, just again, the versatility, the production, like he's a very good player. Um, and then the two pack 12 guys, Oso Digazua, he was a monster all week. He was sliding past whoever, um, he was tossing guy. Actually, that is not true. He was not beating whoever. Creed Humphrey beat him every single time. Those were basically the only losses for Osa all week. That's yep. another big winner that we didn't talk about on the other side, but Creed Humphrey, the center yeah. from Oklahoma, he looked really good, I thought. Head and shoulders above the rest. Agreed. Yep. Um, but yeah, Osa, great week, tossing guys, getting in the backfield in the run game, getting yep. to the quarterback. Um, and then the other one, Levi Wuzurike. I think that he is going to surprise people how high he goes in this draft. Um, mm-hmm. He was another one like Eskridge who got hurt early. He only had one day of workouts, but he was one of the stars. I mean, most of the people tweeting were saying like, he's, he's one of the top two, one of the top three winners of the day. And that's what we expected because he is so big, so physical and, and fast, just agile. Um, and he didn't play it all this year for Washington. And so for him to come after not playing, to have that performance, I think it's going to get kind of lost in the wash because it was only one day. But I think, you know, there's always a couple of picks that surprise people. Onwuzurike going in the early 20s might be one of them. Um, He's the guy who held out um, this year, but in the limited practice time he had in Mobile, certainly flashed. I want to talk What's about interesting a, is ESPN Plus had him as like one of the bigger fallers of the draft, saying he really struggled with double teams, not strong oh. enough to get off, that type of stuff. I don't know. I, I still trust Hank when it comes to Pac-12 stuff because Hank is Mister Pac-12. So I, I'm I'm riding with me. my guy. I kind of want to talk about some of the disappointments on D-line. Um, Please do specifically Patrick Jones and Marvin Wilson. Pa- Patrick mm-hmm. Jones more so. Yeah. Um, just because. You look at him and he has the look that you're oh, yeah. searching for in these prototypical edge guys. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't have it all put together yet. I mean, yeah. just doesn't look the part. And then Marvin Wilson, I, what did you guys think? Because I keep seeing a lot of positive buzz about him and I still just, I'm so underwhelmed by what he brings to the table. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a. He's a guy who lost a lot of ground, I thought, in this uh, past season. Um, I mean, <laughs> what can you do? Like uh, like Levi, though, I didn't think... Um, 
I didn't think he was healthy the entire week. I didn't see him on the practice field um, all week. So that kind of hurts you. I, I thought the edge rushers really stood out there. There's a lot of, you know, raw talents. Um, Ellerson Smith out of UNI, uh, Northern Iowa, really flashed in the game. He is such a long edge rusher. His tape against North Dakota State, watching him and uh, Radunes go at it, was really fun. He's not there quite yet, but boy, he's a fun guy to dream on. Um, there are several edge rushers in this class that I could dream on and, uh, you know, put in the right hands. And I think the Broncos staff might just be the right hands um, could really be developed into something special. Roche follows in, in that category. Jordan Smith out of UAB flashed quite a bit. Um, boy, Florida state's kid. Uh, what's his name? Help me out guys. Uh, he was uh, the winner Robinson. of, Robinson, the winner of the, I mean, measurements. He had some flashes, and I thought both the UCLA edge rushers really flashed, but Okundeji uh, throughout the week and the game, there's some real pass rush talent there. Uh, you know, I mentioned it when we talked about the wide receivers, kind of Tony versus just waiting to draft an Eskridge and Rondo Moore and Elijah Moore, a Tutu Atwell a Felton, you know, you've got lots of alternatives down the line. I feel the same way about edge rush or like, yeah, sure. Ojulari would be fun. Joseph Osai would be fun. Russo Parsons pay. Those guys would be fun with one of those early picks, but I'm okay with waiting on a Quincy Roche on a Carlos Basham on one of these Notre Dame. I'm glad kids. you brought up Basham. Cause I liked him, man. Uh, Basham's like a priority for me. Basham's kind of the Felton, of the defensive side coming out of this week. Um, but Baron Browning, another guy people got really excited about at the senior bowl, the kind of un, not really talked and under publicized, let's say Ohio state linebacker who shined for his ability to both rush the passer and drop into coverage. Another guy you can kind of dream on um, at the senior bowl. And uh, you know, like in the game, Hank, one of your guys, Pac-12, Keith Taylor took mm-hmm. over, took yep. over the big uh, corner out of Washington. He's got all the raw tools, and he really came along as the week progressed. He did get a lot better. I, I, I do like that you brought that up in particular because he was disappointing. A lot of the DBs were pretty disappointing early in the week, um, yep. but then made some plays later on. Mm-hmm. Um, a well, couple DJ of the guys- Daniels. Yes. Yeah. DJ Daniels was really good. Um, yeah. But in particular, th- there were a couple of guys like uh, uh, Melifon Wu from Syracuse, who I was really excited to see. He made a couple plays, but he doesn't mm-hmm. look like he's close to having it all put together. Correct. And that really does concern me. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember what was the name of the other guy who was kind of like him? Another just massive. Ta- Taylor's the other really big. Um corner that was there with daniel um I can't remember. thomas yeah. graham started off hot then kind of slowed down after I wasn't that impressed yeah um i thought cameron bynum played nice yep the cow corner yeah. es- i mean eskridge tore him apart i mean that's how eskridge made his name against cam bynum but outside of that he's another one who i would say got better throughout the week yeah yeah for sure and then running backs i especially um liked how our Andrew Mason highlighted um, some of the guys from day three, including Jabril Cox. Mm-hmm. It was disappointing that Chaz Sirac couldn't play throughout the week after um, a decent day one. I know some people were talking up KJ Britt during the game. Mm-hmm. So we saw some encouraging things from the, the linebackers here as well. Jabril Cox too? looked a little more versatile than I expected. You know, he's, he's somebody who I think you could move around. I, I dwell in coverage. I, I, yeah. And I thought that he would be solid in coverage. I didn't think he'd be one. I mean, he's not like Josie Jewell or Alexander Johnson, you know, it was somebody who you could throw out there and not hate it. Mm-hmm. He's better than that though. And he deserves oh, yeah. some credit. And I'm not sure that he's like somebody you want in the nickel package playing in the slot. Like, I don't know that he's to that level in no, coverage, sure. but no, I do Shaq think Thompson. that he is getting close to that range and he was productive in college at different levels fcs defensive player of the year a couple of times that's somebody who i really wouldn't mind seeing wind up in denver 
Ox has set himself up to where he runs a four, six, five or lower. Uh, he, I bet you he goes top 60. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where we're at with him. Um, so yeah, check out that day three recap. I thought it had some great stuff on Mac Jones who kind of, you know, regressed a little and had some great stuff on the linebackers and everything else. Fellas, unless you have any final names to throw out offense or defense, any last second omissions, we of course will have, uh, you know, the rest of draft season to talk about all these prospects, but that kind of gives you an idea of who we watched, who Let, stood out to real us. Quick, can hmm? I throw Quinn Miners out there? Oh my uh, God. How did we forget? I know. D3 offensive lineman from yeah. Wisconsin Whitewater. Yeah. yeah. What a monster. He was incredible. Um, I, I thought that he was going to struggle. I mean, because you know, he's, he's, play, he's a D three football player, but no, he, he looked really good and, uh, nasty. Uh, he didn't look good. He looked nasty. I know. Man. I know. I, Nine on seven clearing mm-hmm. that shit out. <laughs> Just like taking guys for a ride 10 yards downfield. Let this sink in though. D three Henry. You went to an FCS school. You covered that football. Mm-hmm. That's Division One, Double A. How many dudes did you cover that never even could sniff an NFL field? And that's D One, Double A. Forget D Three. Homeboy paid for his school like the rest of the four of us. Do you understand? No scholarships, D3 people. <laughs> I covered D2 football because that's where I went to school. And where was that? Western State, uh, the fighting Austin Ecklers, as they're known now. Um, yeah, no one could have ever sniffed an NFL field when I was there. And that's D2 um, in a conference that still produced a couple of pros like Danny Woodhead. Well, I was, was there like Low-key, a really fun conference, actually. Kearney the RMAC some is of those great. programs. Yes. That's it's good football. Max phenomenal, at least. Colorado State Pueblo, uh, Max Morgan uh, doing real nice from there. Yeah, so D3 is such an anomaly. I love those stories, and uh, I'm so glad that we closed out the Senior Bowl talk with him because he was one of the great stories of this, for sure. He's what it's all about, you know? Like, I mean, obviously, guys like Mac Jones, they're going to come, and they're going to help their draft stock, and it's great. But at the end of the day, we knew what Mac Jones could do. We knew what a lot of these guys could do. The senior bowl just kind of reaffirmed some of our opinions, maybe made them a little bit stronger, maybe made them a little bit weaker. But I mean, we weren't talking about this dude. Nobody's talking about this dude coming in. Now, all of a sudden, he's going to make himself a whole bunch of money. Great story. Hard worker. Shoot. I hope he ends up in Denver because I like cheering for those kind of guys. Absolutely. Yes. Good. Good final note, Hank. Um, Why don't we take a quick break and get back to anything else that's on our mind and uh, your questions real quick. All right. Um, I will be giving a quick reminder to use Zoom Care. Zoom Care, like we said earlier, it is incredible. Uh, you don't have to leave your house to see a doctor. Like that's just a total game changer. Instead of having to spend time like masking up and walking out of your building and going to the car and driving all the way to the doctor and putting the mask back on and sitting and waiting and wondering if you're going to catch a disease, like all these terrible things that you have to go through to go to the doctor. No more, no more. I could get a call with a doctor right now, sitting right here if I wanted, and we could make it content. It is that easy. Uh, so make sure that you are checking out Zoom Care. It's so much better. The, the insurance typically covers it with a copay. Um, again, that's zoomcare.com, Z-O-O-M-C-A-R-E.com. Very nicely done. Um, All right. We've got questions from some of our usual suspects, which I absolutely love. First, Craig L. comes in with, with Peyton being a UCLA alum, are there any prospects from his alma mater that could be interesting for the Broncos? Well, I think we talked about two of the standouts, both on offense and defense. Um, Hank, two of your guys. What team? Felton. Felton oh, and UCLA. Osa, there UCLA. Yeah. Uh, beyond that, anyone else that interests you from the Bruins this year? Um, I'm trying so to think. Quentin, I'm going to do a quick search. Quinton Lake, the safety, is going back to school, I believe. 
Um, but he would have been the other one that I would be looking at. Um, I don't think there are any corners. No, I think I think it's just Felton, Odigizua, and then there's the other defensive lineman, right? Well, you uh, wasn't there another one who might have even been there? I mean, the two guys who are going to be higher picks are definitely Felton, who has a wide receiver, running back, really stands out, and oh. Osa, I mean, who as an interior rusher has a ton of tools that have us excited. Um, yeah, outside of that, not really, but nope. you could do a lot worse than uh, those two guys. And who knows, maybe that this becomes a bit of a pipeline where you see some UCLA underdeveloped guys. Um, DTR next year. You know. Yeah, the quarterback who has yet to show much ability as a passer. What about Jalen Phillips? The former top recruit goes to the Bruins, transfers to Miami, and that's where he really blows up. Um, or maybe that turns turns Peyton off because he's heard some things that happened in L.A. that he doesn't like. I don't know. We shall find out. Um, we move on, though, to Orange and Blue Aussie, who says, all right, guys, here's my offseason change. Free agency, re-signed Simmons, Harris Walker, and restricted free agent. Okay. Offer restructured deals to Bowie Casey um, that are team-friendly and see if they agree. If not, move on. No big moves outside of the organization from free agency. Strategies, if one doesn't work, move on to number two and so on. One, trade for Deshaun Watson. Two, try to trade up to get either Wilson or Fields. Three, trade a second and a player for a 2022 second for Stafford. Unfortunately, that ship sailed. If needed, offer number one only. Um, take Lance at number nine. If available, not likely. Trade down to the 2025 range. Pick up a 2022 first and draft JOK. What other? What order would you put these scenarios in? Um, one or two of these might be decided before you read this. LOL. All right. What's your strategy? What's how would you rank these strategies? So uh, drafting for trade Lance, uh, trading for Stafford, obviously off the book, trading down to 2025 range to pick an extra first and drafting JOK, going all in for Deshaun Watson or trying to trade up to get either Fields or Wilson. I guess I'll start. Um, I'll have number one be taking Lance at nine simply because that's where you lose the least amount of resources. Yep. Um, and it's just better to stay put and hopefully get a quarterback. We'll see if that happens. Um, I'd also either put maybe trade up to like six, seven ish that area and Tref Lance uh, right below that. And then I'd say Deshaun Watson at two uh, simply because he's an incredible player. And then three, I'd say trade up to get Wilson or Fields, even though Watson would cost more than doing that. Yeah, I I think that just because it's Trey Lance and I'm not, you know, I, I know I go through these cycles with Trey Lance. I'm in a real low point with Trey Lance at this point. Um, I, uh, I, I would trade down first. If I could swap Trey Lance for Mac Jones, I would potentially put that first. Um, those, those are the top two options though. Um, trading for Watson. I mean, yeah, that'd be good, but there's going to be a lot of people bidding. And that just means it's, it's the, we learn all about this in economics classes. It's like the, I can't remember what it's exactly called, but whoever wins an auction typically is worse off than they were before. And that is very true in sports. And so Sean Watson, that could definitely not be true, but it does scare me. So I'm going to put that three. And then the other option for Justin. I'm pretty so, in line with what Jake's thinking in terms of, I mean, Lance at one, yeah. or, you know, taking Lance at mm -hmm. nine, that seems like the best option just because mm -hmm. you don't give up a lot. You get a talented player behind that, I guess, trading up because I think I'd rather trade up than sell the farm for Deshaun Watson and then be handicapped mm -hmm. with that contract. Mm hmm after that it's all i mean you know kind of six one way half a dozen to me you know I, I could make it work i don't love trading down just because i think there's so much talent in this draft you can add somebody that can genuinely impact the team right now with a top 10 pick 
that said, I, I could kind of get behind the logic of it, especially if, you know, like Sewell's gone, all the QBs you want are gone. You don't need a receiver. Maybe you just decide I want to add, you know, two pieces to this defense or a tackle and, you know, somebody on the edge. I could get behind that. Um, I think I covered them there. Andre, where, where would you go with this? It's interesting. I would almost swap out the Stafford option as and make that option stay put and take Mac Jones. Um, because you guys have talked me into, I think staying put while still going after a, and another option I would add is staying put and hope and fields drops into your lap, which we've talked about could be in the realm of possibility. There's a greater than 0% chance of that happening. Um, with that, yeah, staying put is the most appealing because I really value those draft resources. Um, so I would rank staying put and hoping Lance fields drops to you as option one Lance drops to you as option two. Um, I would rank trading up just slightly for Lance or fields like Jake was talking about as maybe the next option going all in all in ish on so selling the farm ish for Wilson or Fields in that kind of trade up then becomes my next option then it's Deshaun Watson and then it's trading down um the appeal of staying put is not just that you can stay put and not give up draft capital it's that I'm also hoping to add a day two pick by trading win away Drew Locke so that's the best of both worlds being able to use my top 10 pick in a, a premium position uh, that I feel it warrants a premium pick, unlike maybe cornerback where we can nitpick a little, well, with the system, do we need blah, blah, blah. But then as we've talked all along for months, I really would love to add more day two picks and take advantage of the de developmental talents of this, uh, you know, the intriguing upside that's uh, across the board in this class to go after Demetric Felton, one of these interior linemen, one of these edge rushers we like, one of these linebackers we like, one of these versatile DBs that just gives me another shot to add one of those guys. So that would make it, um, yeah, that, that'd make it extra appealing. So that, that's where I'm at. Um, mark this day in history because Henry is very high on these seenable prospects. We shall see, uh, just like as we get away Some from the tape, our evaluations change. As we get away from the senior bowl, how will that change? And now we await for the pro days. Um, that's going to be a fun one because Eskridge's numbers will be interesting and Demetric Felton's numbers will be interesting. And boy, there's just a million different factors that will keep us monitoring these silly pro days across the country for the next like month and a half. So that'll be fun. Any other closing notes, fellas, before we uh, say goodbye to our people? Go Bucks, go. I guess. Booyah. Oh, go um, Bucks, no joke. Yeah, go Bucks for sure. Uh, the other thing to add about the orange and blue Aussie is, you know, I think it's obvious to me that the outside of the team that's had Tom Brady, the only teams winning Super Bowls around here are with quarterbacks under rookie contracts. Um, mm -hmm. And that still rings true with the Chiefs this year, right? Because that Mahomes yep. contract doesn't go into effect next year. Next year. Which is where things start to get a little dicier, and you're going to have to be more creative cap wise in KC. So, I, as long as history keeps proving that, I will keep being very intrigued by having a, a quarterback under um, cost control for five years. I think that's the way you win in the modern NFL above everything else. So that's and why that's my priority. Tom Brady, the one guy who's winning Super Bowls without a rookie contract, he's not taking as much money as he could. He's taking 20 million a year while Deshaun Watson's making 40 or whatever. Yeah, I guess Deshaun's not making 40 yet, but that's a uh, that may be why that's these next two seasons actually isn't that bad though. True. Deshaun Watson. True. Yeah, his you do have some time to restructure. That's what makes his contract kind of nice. Yeah. Especially like if you could like compared to the other ones. Mm -hmm. Just like, just try to get those like the 39 and the 37 down 
I'm not sure if there's a way to do that, but if you could add 10 to each of the next two years and start paying some of that off, that'd feel pretty good to me. Yeah, for sure. Um, Lots to get into, lots to get into, more names rising. I think we now have a few more people to talk about in that top 10 range. Uh, maybe Penny Sewell is becoming more possible to drop to Denver. There is a lot in the works. We are just getting started. Finally, some movement, though, in draft season. It all feels a little more real. Stay tuned with us all season. We will have you covered. Thank you for all your questions. Thank you for riding with us. We'll be back next week. Say, Jay, on